you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we start with this one, stating that the intent audience is everybody. Today we'll be speaking with our special guest, Dr. John Poikinen, on what his role is in the pharmacy technology and informatics world. So thank you so much for taking some time to be on the podcast, John. How are you doing? Oh, great, Tony. And thank you for putting together these podcasts. I'm a big fan. Awesome. It's always surreal for me to to kind of like hear people say that, like they listen to the podcast. So, and you know, thank you so much for, you know, taking some time to actually be on this podcast. Just before we get started, can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and I guess why you went into the pharmacy field? Oh, sure. So I've been involved in clinical decision support and pharmacy informatics for more years than I want to admit, but I'm currently the director of clinical informatics for Avana Health, which is a clinical decision support company where we embed uh, clinical decision support uh, into a, a number of different EHRs for quality measures, for uh, some pharmacy items, for therapeutic switching. And I'm very gratified that we're having a positive impact on patient care for literally thousands of uh, patients. So that's what I currently do. To your second question, well, how I got into pharmacy informatics, I got a, a BS in pharmacy back in the Stone Age. And in 1995, there were two articles that shaped my career that were published on July 7th. I still remember the date, 1995 in JAMA about information technology and adverse drug events. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do and really was a life-changing set of articles where I also realized I needed more more clinical training. And so at the time, I quit my job and enrolled in a PharmD program and you know, the rest is history, I guess. Oh, that's really cool. What were the two articles that you uh, you mentioned about? Sure. They were uh, two articles written by uh, David Bates and a team from Mass General, who I had the honor of working with uh, closely later in my career. And, and it was regards to the impact of information technology on adverse drug events. I'm paraphrasing the title, but it was that effect. And they measured the impact and predicted the value of information technology and the points where it could have a huge impact on drug therapy. Oh, that's that's really cool. So are the two articles about like the same topic or were they kind of like a different study? Yeah, they were two uh, same topic, different studies taken from a slightly different angle. I can send you a reference link for posting for your notes if you want. Yeah, that'll be great. For the listeners, I'll be probably putting the links to those two articles if you're interested in reading a little bit more about that, about like what inspired uh, John into getting into informatics. Yeah, so, so thanks for sharing that. And you know, just going back to your role as director of clinical informatics, is there kind of like a day-to-day that you go through or is it like kind of like as needed? Oh, sure. Um, So there's, you know, there's proactive and there's reactive duties in every job, I think. On the proactive side, we come up with things that we believe our clients may need or they explicitly tell us what they need. So for things around the quality measures, and so they change every year um, based on the program health group might be enrolled in. And some some of them are proprietary around their payers and some are, you know, CMS generated. And and some of them have don't have clinical 
decisions of port implications, but the ones that they do, we try to tackle. And so we just rolled out the 2020 uh, revisions for a bunch of our clients. And sort of that took up tons of time in the fall and getting ready for that. And, you know, uh, and then the testing and the implementation is sort of the um, grind, I guess, if you will, of putting these things in the hands of the clinician. Um, and from time to time, our clients come up with great ideas that we then attempt to uh, find the right sweet spot in the workflow and in the wording of, of things to, uh, to, to affect change. And so uh, working with clients to do that is very gratifying. In fact, just last week, there was a, a large clinic in Miami who um, wanted us to generate automatic pharmacy consults based on criteria. So they had criteria on when they would like a pharmacy consult. Um, and so we automatically generated one of them, you know, to get the pharmacist more involved in the care team. So your current role now is like a director of clinical informatics. And I guess like my curiosity is about how did you get there? Like what was your kind of past experiences that was able to give you the skills and, you know, all the skills and knowledge that you needed to be in that role and be successful at it? Yeah, that's a good question. In this role, I um, had a mentor that who, who became a venture capital principal. And so because I knew him well, he asked me to come in and do some diligence on some health tech companies. And even to this day, I mean, the 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 amount of venture capital being put into health technology is massive. And I don't see any abatement anytime soon. And so so I was doing I was helping him evaluate some companies and they had just invested in Avana. And so they said, you know, John, um, I think you would have a good role to play in, in this company over here. So that's when I joined Avana. Um, and they were an early decision support company. And so I joined them four years ago. Prior to that, I mean, I think part of it is recognizing opportunities and going for it. And I have just been fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time to be involved in, in some informatic roles and practices. Um, I think it was Louis Pasteur who said, chance favors the prepared mind. So preparing your mind to be open to opportunities and knowing what you want to do opens doors where you don't even know or think they may open doors. And, and I think that's more or less what has happened to me um, over the years. And through those experiences, gaining the knowledge contacts, can't overemphasize, you know, gaining contacts within the industry through networking, through conferences, through, you know, all of the, the things you've talked about in the past is, is tremendously important and becoming recognized, not only leader, but a recognized uh, authority and a recognize just interests in, in certain areas. And so I've always tried to keep my mind open to those things. Oh, that's that's a really good point about the networking piece. Yeah, I, I think like it's, it's kind of like interesting that, you know, some people ask about how to get into the field. And yes, you can do all this education, all the skills. But if you don't actually have people out there that know about your skills, then it's a little bit harder to get into that. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought up that point. And you had a you had a previous guest who I thought was um, incredibly astute in suggesting a pharmacist. I'm sorry, I forget um, her her name, but she suggested 
working as a pharmacist on the night shift. And I thought that was really, really cool to better understand the whole medication use cycle uh, and laying, laying the groundwork and the foundation for uh, pharmacy informatics. Oh yeah, that was uh yeah that was Dr. Sabrina Bernhardt. She she had a really uh, interesting perspective on that. I've actually never heard of that before. She mentioned it, but yeah, that's like it, to- it makes total sense. You know, every night shift pharmacist that I've spoken to, they know that process inside out, which is very essential in the informatics role. Exactly. But you know, speaking about operational, like what kind of like operational roles did you have before? Like, did you? Were, I think you were a director of pharmacy. Was that is that right? Yeah, um, I was a pharmacy director in uh, a, a couple of hospitals. I was fortunate enough to join a company early on for the uh, older folks out there. Mega, it was called Megasource, and we uh, it was a pharmacy information system company that we sold to Cerner, and then worked for Cerner for a while in that role. Was uh, offered a position to be the outpatient pharmacy director at UMass Medical Center in Worcester, they wanted to set up an ambulatory pharmacy that was a little bit different. And I looked at it as a challenge and sort of our goals for the the operation and goals for the uh, outpatient pharmacy and for the automation of that were in alignment. So I, I took that position and went into a development partnership with Script Pro at the time. And so we helped them develop sort of the next generation outpatient pharmacy system. I, geez, I've lost a little track of them. I hope they're still around, but doing that. And and through that, uh, you, quite frankly, I was never a good pharmacy operations manager. Um, I moved into the, the, to be the director of clinical informatics for the uh, health system. And from there, we implemented things like, you know, HIE for the, for the, and, and, and all scripts. And, uh, you know, at the time, Siemens electronic medical record and, and gained some great experience and was able to work in that academic medical center for, uh, eight years, implementing all kinds of really great technology. That's really cool. And, you know, you just mentioned Academic Medical Center. So I also wanted to uh, jump into your role as as a faculty or educator. Can you kind of like tell me a little bit about that? Like how you, uh, what your role was in education? Oh, sure. I had the opportunity to be a visiting professor at UMass. Um, And so as a visiting professor, it's basically a year to teach full time, to bring in new ideas, new excitement to a a program. And so I went, uh, I I did that at the University of Massachusetts on the academic side and in the bioinformatics program there. So I was able to teach um, some undergrad and graduate level informatic programs. While that was tremendously rewarding, the entrepreneurial spirit reared its head and I joined a uh, startup that and, and so left academia on a full-time basis, but I've been teaching as an adjunct in at Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences for the last six, seven years, something like that. And so I teach a course a semester on informatics to both pharmacy students and to and in the bioinformatics program there. And, it, and it's been tremendously gratifying, and it's a way that keeps me on my toes for sure. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I guess like the like for me too. Like when I when I teach the students, I always have to update my knowledge to make sure that you know I'm always up to date. It's it's a good way to you know keep ourselves on our toes. You know, going back into how you're teaching, is that like a a whole like course that has a you know a whole schedule of different topics, or is it more of like just a few things here and there that's thrown into the rest of the curriculum? How, how does that work? So I've, I've taught primarily three courses. One is just general health informatics, what it is, what it does. And so I spent a lot of time around, you know, the, 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 the electronic health record concepts, including decision support and, and how it equates to, you know, better health care and, and the uh, pluses and minuses of that, that, you know, practitioners are going through. I also taught a course on design, which was a little stretch for me, but was really uh, stretched me to help people understand what good design and good workflow is in automation. So, you know, a well-designed software system, you know it when you see it, and you know when there's a really bad design. And so there's a there's a couple of different methodologies on how to iterate on software design that I taught, which was really fun because the students would pick a hypothetical problem to solve and and go about designing a software product for it. And and so that 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 was really um, fun to uh, to do. Uh, and the third course I taught was consumer health informatics, and that is the sort of all of the tsunami of apps around uh, consumer health that is still a wild west show if you will and lots of, lots of stuff out there and some some things are emerging but a lot of things are being thrown up against the wall in the consumer space around health technology that's really cool yeah like the consumer health informatics side it's kind of like oh this is just a catch-all term because <laughs> it's you know, encompassing digital health, it's encompassing like um, robotics for home use, it's it's everything. So I, I feel what you mean when you say that, because uh, I do have to do like a guest lecture here and there too for consumer health informatics. And it's always changing every year. Yeah. And in fact, um, I just, <laughs> funny you should mention that last night I was at a, at a health tech conference here in Boston and they had a, they had yet another robot <laughs> for, uh, for geriatrics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's always, but you know, that's, that's, uh, kind of important, right? To have a lot of these out there to, to kind yeah. of help the population. We don't know which one's going to stick, but at least, uh, there's innovation in that, in that side, you know? So. But yeah, so another thing I wanted to ask you about is your role as an associate editor for the Applied Clinical Informatics Journal. Uh, that's that's really interesting for me to see that you've done that. And I kind of want to hear more about like uh, what the journal is about uh, and kind of like what, what things that you've been being an editor for. Oh, sure. So I've been active in uh, American Medical Informatics Association, AMIA, for many, many years. And through networking and association and working on, you know, projects uh, on that led me to uh, being the associate editor of, uh, they have their own journal, the uh, JAMIA, Journal of the American Medical Informatics Association. But then there was a need for a more practical journal uh, around applied clinical informatics. 
And so they developed that. And both of those journals you get through AMIA membership. The applied clinical informatics tends to be more practical versus theoretical. Um, and so they needed a pharmacist to address some of the pharmacy topics, the drug therapy topics. Um, and so it's really a labor of love. Seems a little strong, but it, <laughs> You know, so I review, I don't know, half a dozen articles a year for them. And the rigorous process of people reviewing articles and editing that can be demanding at times, depending on the length and the complexity of the article. I think I want to say that it's really reassuring for me to hear that you play the role as an associate editor for the journal because it kind of speaks to the the journal getting the right people, the right people with the right experience to be an editor for those kind of articles. So so that's really cool to hear that um, that's like one of the things that you do. You know, one of the other things too, uh, we kind of talked about this before we started the podcast, but you had mentioned about uh, something called Rx Informatics. Early on in when ASHP first started their uh, pharmacy informatic working group, or I forget the right terminology, a couple of people, including myself, had a um, rxinformatics.com where we um, would blog uh, back in, you know, when blogging was cooler than it was now or, or was a burgeoning, right? So we, we published tons of articles about that. Um, I, it's no longer up because of the domain. You know, we, we stopped blogging, I think, in 2012 or 13. But some of the articles I, I would cross post on wordpress.com slash rxinformatics if people are interested in, in sort of some archived issues. Uh, I remember being passionate about getting rid of uh, Newport, Newport being a near universal pharmacist order review. I still think we need to get rid of that through uh, automation. And that may be controversial, but we, we did a lot of um, jumping up and down about, and, and I still think it's, I still think it's a timely topic of, do we really need to review every order? I, I don't think so. I think machine can do it as probably better than uh, pharmacists. But but what is the sweet spot between, you know, everyday orders or things that need review is is where we should be doing uh, a lot of research. Yeah, actually, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that. So um, how do you kind of envision that? You know, does a pharmacist really need to review every colase order? I don't think so. Do they need to review specialty pharmacy orders and ensure uh, everything is correct? Absolutely. There's a gap in between there that machine learning could do and then pass over to uh, the pharmacist for review. So just like in radiology, right, there's a lot of controversy in that AI and image processing can detect breast cancer a lot better than a radiologist can. And, and they've proven that. But at the end of the day, radiologists aren't going to go away. And at the end of the day, pharmacists aren't going to go away. But there is an augmentation of order review that I think is needed. Where that is, I don't know. I mean, I think there's some notion of scoring uh, you know, and over s some number, then it needs to go for, to pharmacist review. I think that's where more work needs to be done. I mean, I don't have an answer for you specifically. I just know that I look at things 
other trends of knowledge professionals and, and the impact of machine learning and AI. And, and I think we need to be uh, ahead of the curve and not behind the curve on it. That's a really cool thought process on that. Like we have this technology and we should augment our practice, but you know, the, there is, there's still going to be a lot. It's more of like the technology will kind of augment us by taking care of the smaller things so we can focus on the bigger picture. And you know, it's, it's uh I think this is the decade that's gonna it's gonna start happening because AI is the focus now. So we'll see how that goes, but it's it's a really cool thing that I'm looking forward to hearing about too. Yeah, and, and to watch other professions. Yeah. You know, what's what's happening in legal and and like I said, radiology and other uh, other areas uh not only of healthcare but you know, other areas of uh, business. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, for uh individuals out there who are, you know, curious about getting into informatics and they are maybe a student right now who's not really sure what the field is, but they want to learn more. Or maybe if there are currently working pharmacists out there. I know you kind of touch a little bit on it, but um, do you have any more advice about how they would uh, navigate themselves to get into the field? One of your trends I think you mentioned is gaming and AI and machine learning. And I think looking on what's happening, as we just spoke about in other areas and Thinking about how it may be applied to pharmacy as a profession is something uh, I think students should and continually pursue and learn about. There's an effort called the Autonomous Pharmacy Framework that outlines what pharmacy might look like uh, in the future. And in it is a wealth of information of where things are going. Um, and so staying on top of that, uh, I think, is critically important. I think pharmacy, pharmacy schools in general are not keeping up with the education of informatics. And that's a general statement. And some schools are better than others. So uh, I think education is a big component of that as well. And keep, and like I said before, keeping keeping your mind open to new ideas and new opportunities at every turn and, and certainly networking with uh, people you know and respect is, I think, the best advice I could give. Oh, and, and joining AMIA. <laughs> I think AMIA is a fantastic organization. It's a, it's a collaborative organization of nurses, scientists, physicians, data scientists uh, across the board. Uh, and, and you see just this amazing scope of what's possible. And I think they're, they're a much more progressive organization than ASHP from a pharmacy informatics point of view. And they need, and they need the pharmacy perspective in that organization as well. And, you know, on the, on the topic of networking, if people wanted to, I guess, reach out to you, if they had any further questions, maybe specifically for you, uh, what's the best way that they can uh, reach out to you at? Oh, sure. So there's always LinkedIn. Poikin, I think is my LinkedIn name. And there's not that many of them out there. The um, GigaFarmD is my Twitter handle. So follow me on Twitter. Be happy to direct message you on that. So that's GigaFarmD, one word. My email, if people prefer that, is jp at rxdoc.me.me. And so any of those ways work work for me. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll be putting that into our show notes for anyone who's interested in reaching out. And, uh, you know, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again so much for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the show. My pleasure, Tony. And I'll follow up with uh, the links that we talked about. (laughs) 
All right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And remember, technology is a tool, patient care is the goal. We'll be right back.